Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is? Huh? Pump day! It's so damn hot. Milk was a bad choice. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is June 15th, and it is warm. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, Michelle Smallman. Good morning, Randy Carriker. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm happy with the Cardinal sweep of a doubleheader against the Pirates, just doing what they're supposed to do. I know that a lot of people on the social media say only beat the Pirates. Well, I'll tell you something, folks. This isn't like college football, where you put together your own schedule. The the Major League Baseball folks up in New New York and New Jersey put together the Major League Baseball schedule. So you can only play who's on it. If the Cardinals, I I guarantee you this, if Bill DeWitt and, let's start with this. Would you suggest that St. Louis is in the central portion of the country? I would say we're the heartbeat of America, Randy. I would say it'd be pretty stupid to put the Cardinals in the east or the west. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If, you, if you have a central, makes sense to have the Cardinals in the central. But I know this for a fact. If there could be a division of the Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox, Cubs, and Cardinals, Bill DeWitt and Mo would be all over that because they just want the challenge. I don't understand where you're going with this. Uh, I'm people, sorry. It, I'm, miss, people, I'm missing a people step. People are upset that the Cardinals are playing a weaker schedule, that they're in a weaker division. Well, they are? I don't understand why people would be upset over that. This is an opportunity for your Redbirds well, to uh, continue to expand their lead in the NL Central. And guess what? You can give them props for beating the teams they're supposed to beat. That's okay. I, they're doing their job. I get the sense that people are upset that the Cardinals are taking advantage of their schedule and beating lesser teams. They're upset that they're only beating the Pirates. And I'm pointing out that, well, that's who's on their schedule. They can't do anything about it. Well, you know what, Randy? I'm not upset over that, but I am upset that Miles Michaelis was one strike away from a no-hitter. One strike away. My alarm went off this morning, and the first thing I thought was... Man, he was close. First thing I thought this morning was that I was still heartbroken for Miles Michaelis, even after I had slept on it. He was so close, and boy, did he deserve it. What an outing by Miles Michaelis. He was magnificent. Turned in a career-high 129 pitches, which I was thinking last night, I'd probably want to sit him for about seven days after throwing 129 pitches. And we're going to get to the doubleheader victory, but... As Michelle mentioned, Miles Michaelis did go eight and two thirds last night, and in the bottom or in the top of the ninth, with two out, he finally, finally allowed a hit. The two-two pitch, fly ball into center. Bader going back, 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 over his head. 
It's a clean hit. It's a ground rule double. And Cal Mitchell breaks up the no-hitter as the Pirates were down to their final strike. Cal Mitchell hitting 217, and he gets the ground rule double. And by the way, if the Cardinals aren't playing as shallow as they are to avoid the bloop hit, Bader in his normal position probably is able to get back and get that one. I know. I'm heartbroken for Harrison Bader as well because you never want to be the person that lets your teammate down when he's that close to history. And how many times does Harrison Bader normally make a catch like that? Always. Always. It's just one of those things. And I know Miles Michaelis should be incredibly proud of the outing that he put together last night. He was sensational. And Tip of the cap to Ali Marmol for letting him go for it. Right, I right. really appreciated that because how many clubs in baseball or how many managers wouldn't have allowed somebody like Miles Michaelis, who did have injuries, to even attempt that. So I really appreciated that he let him go for it. But I know that after after the game and his post game, he said he was proud of what he accomplished and that he was kind of over it. But you have to think about that all the time. That's something that he's going to be on his dock fishing with his kids in the sunset of his life and be like, man, I was this close to history. Right. On a different level, he's kind of like the 2011 Texas Rangers. When you're one strike away and you feel like you have it and then all of a sudden you don't. Yeah, that's something that sticks with you, I'm sure, for a while. Or maybe he's that much more motivated to go out there and get one. Well, he was magnificent, and it takes a little luck. The Cardinals still, now since 2001, haven't had a no-hitter. Bud Smith threw the last one in 2001. So at some point, well, the guy who pitches today is, is going to get one. But at some point, hopefully within the next week, Miles Michaelis gets an opportunity to start another. Meanwhile, in the first game of the day, the Cardinals rolled the Pirates by a score of 3-1. to one. It, it wasn't necessarily just... Well, it wasn't all the Cardinals. It was Paul Goldschmidt. He, he was pretty good. Bottom of the third, John Brubaker, JT Brubaker on the mound. The amazing Brendan Donovan is on base for Goldie. Lifted in the air out to center. It's well hit. Sawinski back. It is gone! Dead center! Another Goldie bomb! And it's 2 nothing. St. Louis! Goldie had another RBI in the fourth inning, and the Cardinals win it by a score of 3-1. to one. And Michelle, a terrific performance again by the starting pitcher, Matthew Libertor. And he get, we, we talk about how he has a chance, and he should, he's been a top prospect for a long time, has a chance to be a really good major league pitcher. And I think we got a glimpse of what he's capable of yesterday. Yeah, I know it's hard, but sometimes patience is required when it comes to young mm-hmm. players coming up and uh, reaching their potential. But the... The signs are there that Matthew Libertor could be somebody that's very effective for the Cardinals. And it was a good outing from him yesterday. You mentioned Paul Goldschmidt. This guy is hotter than the temps outside. He's unbelievable, Randy. We need to start a change.org petition or something, <laughs> Paul Goldschmidt for MVP, because he is playing like an MVP right now. The offense and the defense are absolutely ridiculous. So you get to the night game, starts at 645. Uh, the character uh, spectrum, by the way, O-U-T. So I'm watching on my phone. I'm kind of, I'm going the Michelle Smallman route. Yeah. I, I will say, deleted. So I don't know if anyone else out there had been having issues with Bally um, on their smart TV, but I couldn't get it to load on my TV. So I would watch the game on my phone because I didn't have any issues with it on my phone. And then I would cast it onto the TV if that would work. And so I, Randy and I were talking about the fact that, you know, even if you watch it on your phone, you got to get it done. You got to watch the game somehow. But I did delete the apps, turn off the TV, re-download, and it worked last night. 
night. So oh, who good. knows? Maybe that's just the trick is that you sometimes have to, on a smart TV, delete and start over. Hey, Spectrum, my TV was still out when I left this morning. Just so you know, a little FYI, uh, the character Hustled uh, television not working when I left this morning at about six or so. I imagine someone listening might be able to help you with that, just, Randy. Just wondering, hoping. We'll see. Uh, we, we need the TV to work at the character household because we got an important start tonight from yes, the Cardinals. Yes, we do. So back to last night's second game. Tommy Edmond homers to lead things off in the first inning. And then that guy, Brendan Donovan, gets on base for Paul Goldschmidt again. The 0-1. And Goldie lifts a fly ball out to deep center field. Reynolds is back near the wall. Leaps. Gone! It's over the wall. It's in center. Freeze is landing. The second home run, three nothing, Redbirds. Absolutely outrageous. Goldschmidt, as Michelle mentioned, red hot. So is Brendan Donovan. He singled home another run in the second inning, again to bring up Goldie. And the two one is out to deep center again. Yes, he's done it again. The man is ridiculous. He's flat out ridiculous. Three-run homer, his second of the game. Goalie is driven in five. MVP. It's unbelievable, remarkable, excitement, astonishing. Danny Mac on Bally was sensational. By the way, Nolan Gorman doubled home a couple in the eighth inning, and one of those runners, or in the sixth inning, rather, one of those runners was Paul Goldschmidt. The Cardinals win it by a score of 9-1, to and as has been mentioned here, Miles Michaelis, eight and two-thirds innings of no-hit ball. He finally allowed a hit with two outs in the ninth inning. Packy Naughton came on to get the final out, and the Cardinals win it 9-1. to Still can't believe he was that close. Still can't believe it. That is such a bummer. But happy to see a healthy Miles Michaelis. What a beautiful thing to see a healthy Miles Michaelis. And he talked about it after the game. The goal is always to go as deep as possible. The goal is to always get over the finish line if you can. And even though he didn't etch his name into history with a no-hitter last night, Randy, he has to feel pretty good about himself, not only with the outing that oh, he yeah. put together, but that physically he's able to get there. Because when you deal with injuries and it it sidelines you for a while, I'm sure at some point you, you wonder if physically you're ever going to be 100% again, if you're ever going to be able to go deep into games in the manner in which Miles Michaelis has been doing this season. So that... Even though there's certainly some disappointment with last night, there has to also be a a sigh of relief knowing that physically he can do it. Yeah, and like I said earlier, I hope that the Cardinals, after 129 pitches, will give him an extra day or two to rest. One thing that happened with Johan Santana when he had his no-hitter against the Cardinals, they let him go and go and go. Then they brought him back back five days later, and he was rarely the same after he had had that long multiple pitch outing against the Cardinals. So hopefully the Cardinals will give Michaelis some rest and they'll be able to. Uh, we should note that the Mets beat the Brewers last night 4 to nothing. So all of a sudden the Cardinals have a two-and-a-half game lead in the division. And today, tonight, 645, Ruanzi Contreras goes for Pittsburgh and he will be opposed by not pitching in Memphis, not pitching in Memphis, uh, Springfield. He's pitching in St. Louis. It's Jack Flaherty tonight. Cardinals have a two and a half game lead over the Brewers in the division, and they haven't even seen Jack Flaherty on the mound yet. Jack Flaherty's last start was September 24th. He has pitched in only six games since May 31st of 2021 and has had only three starts. And Michelle, we were looking because he said, I haven't felt this good since 2019. 
Well, in the second half of 2019, he was seven and two with an 0.91 ERA. So that's Pretty all good. I expect. That's Pretty, all I expect. Oh, that's it. That's he, that's the only thing that you're setting for him if, is an 0.91 ERA. If he's feeling that good. I'm glad he's feeling great. Me too. I'm not going to set it, hold him to that standard, Randy. I'm glad you are, though, because if someone is that great, we demand greatness. Standards. You do have standards. You're a man of standards. I'm a, a little bit less when it comes to that. Um, but I just am glad that he's feeling healthy and can't wait to see what he can do. I was pleasantly surprised when we got the news yesterday that he was, in fact, getting the nod for today's game because I think when we discussed it, we thought he might get one more outing in Memphis, get him to 75 pitches, see how he feels, just I think we were acting with an abundance of caution mm-hmm. when it comes to Jack Flaherty because if he's going to go out there and in any way look like the, the second half 2019 version of himself, that's incredibly valuable to the Cardinals. And I think we were just thinking maybe one more time yeah. in, the, in the minors before we throw him out there. But if he's feeling this great, let's go. I think John Mozeliak was feeling the way we felt. I think Michael Gersh was. I think that Ali Marmol was. And I think uh, Mike Maddox was. But then they got in a room with Flaherty. We've had some really good conversations as far as um, what he felt was important. Uh, Everybody kind of weighed in, and at the end of the day, he was very adamant about increasing the intensity uh, and not just a workload. Um, So he wanted to be able to replicate that here and not in Memphis. So uh, the more we talked about it, he'll be our starter tomorrow. So you get in a room with a persuasive guy who's very adamant. What's going to (laughs) happen? You're going to lose that battle. <laughs> yeah, you are. To this guy, he's, he's got tremendous will. Jack Flaherty does. He does. He's a competitor. You know that he's dying to get out there and hopefully show what he can do, but contribute to his team. That has to be really hard when you are watching this Cardinals team and how fun they are and they're they're doing all of these great things and you want to go out there and you want to do your part. You want to contribute to your team. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up later in the show, we're going to talk to Matt Carpenter's dad, Rick Carpenter, former coach of the year nationally. Uh, And uh, Matt is back, and so it's Dad's Week. We're going to talk to Rick. We're going to talk to Adam Wainwright as well. He will join us at 930, Wednesdays with Waino with Carriker and Smallman. But next up, it's Ask Uncle Randy. How do you handle the warm weather? Randy might have some answers for you. If you want to ask the question at 65780, Ask Uncle Randy is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Our text number is 65780. It's brought to you by Air Comfort Services. And by the way, it's not a bad idea to get in touch with Air Comfort Services because you want that air con- conditioner to be working well at this time of year. Yeah, don't wait until it's too late. No, not at all. All right, we welcome your texts because it's time for Ask Uncle Randy here on 101 ESPN. Michelle, what do we got? From the 636, dear Uncle Randy, my daughter's boyfriend has asked me to play golf. Mm-hmm. My wife and I are certain he's going to ask me if he can marry our daughter. They've only been together six months, and I'm not ready to say yes, but that doesn't mean I won't in the future. How do I tell him that? I would say if you are that strong on this stance and make sure that your daughter is on board with this idea too. Don't ask her, but you and your wife should know your daughter as well as anybody. 
if you think that she would be jumping into a bad situation, uh, then uh, or, or a situation that needs more time to marinate, then what you say is, hey, I think you're great, but I would like to get to know you a little better. Keep in mind that it's her life. She's the one that has to make this decision, and six months is a long time. People should know after six months whether or not they're, they've fallen in love and they're ready to spend their life together. So I, I get that you're being pr- protective of your daughter, but you have to have this discussion with your bride. How do we trust our daughter? Because if you're telling him no, what you're telling me is that you don't trust her. You don't trust her judgment. Right, exactly. Yeah, and I think positive sign number one is that he's going to ask you. Right, exactly. That's classy. And especially if he pays for the golf. How would you feel if your amazing daughter got engaged and her fiancé did not ask for your permission first? I could deal with that. I okay. wouldn't have any okay. trouble with it. I Because some dads are very particular about that. They, sure, they right. want to be asked. They want to, to give their blessing. So yeah. this dad seems like he's protective, as you mentioned. And so... That shows a sign of respect that he's at least wanting to take you out for golf and let you know what his intentions are. Right. But if, if you, you, you clearly, after six months, you see negatives in this guy. So if, you, if you're if you set on saying no and you don't want, you have to hope that he never says to her, hey, I was going to ask you to marry you me, but uh, your dad said no. You just have to make sure that you have this well thought out. That's not a combo you want to have with her. Nope, let me no. tell you. Let me tell you. From the 314, Hankel Randy, my dad's a golfer, and I'm looking for ideas on what to get him for Father's Day. As an avid golfer, what's something you think I should get him? Thanks very much. All right. Uh, you can never go wrong with clothes. I believe that I there's a chance that I might get some golf shorts for Father's Day. If your dad has pretty much everything, you can go to Golf Discount in O'Fallon, Moe, or in South County and pick up one of those yellow Golf Discount gift cards. Every golfer likes that. And if you go in and uh, speak to either uh, Chris in O'Fallon or Todd in South County and say, hey, it's Father's Day. This is a big time of year for them. They say, I think my dad has everything golf-wise. Do you have anything? They'll have something, I guarantee it. So Chris in uh, O'Fallon, Todd in, in South County at Golf Discount, they, they can help you out. But you can never go wrong. Hey, just because you give somebody a gift card doesn't mean you aren't thinking about them. So a, a golf gift card is a good thing. For sure. Yeah. Let, let your dad pick out what he wants right. with the gift card. From the 618, this is from Jacob. Randy, Michelle, enjoy your show. First off, congratulations to Miles Michaelis on a great performance last night. My question for Uncle Randy is this. In regards to Paul DeYoung, do you think he will be back in St. Louis, or do you think a Matt Carpenter-like change of scenery is best for him? Well, it seems as if he's kind of found himself at Memphis with eight home runs in 12 games and the OPS right around 900 now. I would think that because of the way the Cardinals felt about him and the fact that they said he needs to go down and not listen to so many voices, so he's listening to his own voice and he's hot, they clearly like him. I think there is a chance that at some point he winds up back here in St. Louis. Now, Gold uh, Gorman is playing and hitting well. Good defense last night from Gorman. Exactly, right. Uh, Donovan is a revelation. He's unbelievable. I don't know where Paul DeYoung fits in the spectrum of Cardinal infielders, but 
if he can just keep hitting for another month now, you get close to the deadline, there's teams out there that need shortstops. And Paul DeYoung, even though he's been gone for a month, he's still second in the National League in defensive runs saved at Mm. the position. He's a really good defender, and I would hope that teams, because if I were ever going to put together a team, first thing I'd do is go get a good defensive shortstop. First thing. So my hope would be that there are smart franchises out there that would want to go get a guy like that and trade a pitcher for him so that the Cardinals have their pitching fortified for the stretch run. Which is something they're going to need. Gonna yeah. need. From the 314, Derek O'Reilly, my girlfriend, comes home this Saturday and I'm going to see her Sunday. We haven't seen each other since last Wednesday. We were both on vacation. What's something special I can do Sunday when I see her? Okay. Uh, I, I would suggest that when you see her for the first time that you do something personal for her, whether it's making her a meal or uh, setting something up so that it's it's unique to her. This is not a gift card situation. So if you prepare a meal or make a reservation at her favorite place so that you two can be intimate, alone, together, have an intimate setting, I think that's a, a great way to start. That's what I would do. And the weather's going to be hot here in St. Louis. So you want to set it up so that y- you make an indoor meal, and I think that uh, she would be very thankful for that. You show up with flowers, too. Flowers are always a win. Oh, that's that's part of the deal. If you're making her a meal, then you have flowers, and yeah, you, you set up the whole situation. I like her. that flowers is just a given with you, Uncle Randy. Hey, like... Everything, every time I go to uh, Costco, and Costco has a great flower department, uh, I, I always stop by. Like, I always pick up some flowers because they're great. They are. This one is right in your wheelhouse. Okay, good. Dear Uncle Randall, my favorite baseball team won the World Series in 2011. They were down to their final strike away from losing twice, but came out winners. Since then, two of their pitchers had been down to their final out from a no-hitter and lost it. I've come to the conclusion that the devil magic from 2011 has been paid off to the baseball gods, but I still feel like there is something I need to do to change the ways for my favorite teams. Any suggestion? Would a cookie cake work here? Cookie cake can never be a bad idea, although I like to use the significance of a cookie cake Come playoff time, whether it's for your St. Louis Blues or your favorite baseball team. Hey, with the two lost no-hitters, that's how baseball go. That is how baseball there go. Are, there are not many no-hitters in baseball history. And as we noted in the first segment, the Cardinals haven't had one since 2002. Now, there are different ways to go about luck. For example, we get to the playoffs. What's Michelle Smallman wear? The red jeans. The red jeans. But you only wear them at playoff time, right? Only at playoffs, at home games that I attend. There you go. Undefeated. Now, if you're looking for a scenario in which you can help them during the regular season, cap. You you wear a cap last night or yesterday and they win 9-1. to Mm. That cap is making a comeback today, all right? right. Uh You have... Eggs and toast for breakfast yesterday morning in the Cardinal Sweep, a doubleheader. Eggs and toast for breakfast today. You have to maintain a level of consistency so that that club can reflect it. Whatever they're works. paying attention. The, the, the baseball gods are paying attention. And so here's what happens is it's kind of like a satellite. So your eggs and toast, okay, you have those. That knowledge is given to the satellite gods up in the sky. Beam it up, right? Right, beam it up. And then it comes back down to the Cardinals at Bush Stadium tonight. 
So it's kind of a ping pong type situation. Exactly. You're beaming it up to the gods. They're beaming it back down to the cardinals. Right. Bing, bang, boom. And this is all about good juju. So it's not just you. It's about all of us doing the right thing so that there are so many good baseball vibes that are being beamed down to Bush Stadium at night. The Cardinals inevitably come away with a victory. So you think that this person, whatever they did yesterday, they need to start yes, now replicating. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I by like the it. way, let me throw something else out there. And we'll ask Adam Wainwright about this because I know he feels this way. Last night, when Bally Sports put Michaelis no-hitter through seven, mm. through seven and a third, I through seven it. and two thirds, that's messing with the baseball gods. And ESPN sent out a push notification, too. I was like, what are you yep, doing, guys? Exactly. So that's a problem. That is something that uh, we're going to have to talk to our friends at ESPN and at Bally about, is that you, unless you're Mark Burley, <laughs> you don't mention a no-hitter. That's right. Okay, one more for Uncle Randy, and this is an important one. From the 217, Dear Uncle Randy, my wife works overnights at a hospital, and I work during the day at a doctor's office. I feel like we're in a funk. How can I show her I still care about her, even though we are on complete opposite schedules right now? What you two need to do is find a weekend to get away, whether it's to the Ozarks or to Chicago or to... Hot Springs, Arkansas, a a weekend trip that's an easy drive where you can spend a ton of time together, even on the road talking. That's a good thing. But what you need is, and by the way, if you can get two days off during the week, cheaper if you go to one of those places and less crowded. So that's all the better. But what you need is two days away. So, for example, today is hump day. It's Wednesday. If you can set it up so that you guys leave on a Thursday morning, get to a place, you're able to hang out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then come home on Sunday, but just relax and connect. That's the key word here, is you guys need to relax and connect. There's no way to connect when you're working these opposite schedules. So what you need to do is find as much time together as you possibly can. And by the way, I've been in this situation because my wife was a lawyer who worked a ton of hours during the day. I was doing afternoons and nights at KMOX when I was a youngster. So it was the exact same situation. So that's what you need to do is you need to maximize your time together and find those moments where you can get a couple of days and try to make it work then. And ultimately, by the way, those are fantastic. But I think it's also a good thing to have. You don't want to get in a funk. You don't want to grow apart. But absence does make the heart grow fonder. And in the meantime, too, if your ship's in the night at your house, do something special for her for when she comes home and you're not there. Like, if she's working overnights, get the bed set up so that she can crawl in and leave her a note. I'm so proud of you for working overnights. I miss you. Have a good sleep or whatever. Or leave her a snack. Just little things that you can do for, so that when she comes home, you're she's feeling your presence even though you're not yeah. there. Good thought. Thank you, Michelle. You're welcome, Randy. One of the things that I've done lately... And uh, evidently, I have been called a name while I'm sleeping that starts with an F. I don't know what it is. Does it end with an R? I believe it probably does. So we've got, <laughs> as we've mentioned from Mattress Direct, this this dual. So one mattress, it's it's so one 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 side of the mattress can be lifted up so like it's like a chair, okay. and then the other one's like the bed. So what I do is I press the remote so that Jones is lifted up completely, and then I go to sleep so that she has to put hers down when she comes to bed. And she hates it. It's really funny. It makes me laugh. Even though she hates it, you're going to continue to do it. Oh, yeah, because then she, the next day she'll say, why did you do that? And I'll say, what? And she'll say, I was calling you a name. Didn't you hear me? And I said, well, no. And she'll say, I was. And I said, what did it start with? And she says, F. 
And then I laugh. There you go. So <laughs> I have fun in my house. My kids don't think it's funny, but I do. Sounds like your wife's not having a lot of fun, Randy. Yeah, she'll she'll laugh about it when I'm gone. Oh, Randy. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Coming up on 101 ESPN, the Blues Stanley Cup Parade was three years ago today, and we're going to relive our memories next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. How is this feel? You want to see some f-ing emotions? I mean, yeah, it's been 10 years in the, in the, in the works here, but you never know when the chance is going to come, but we, we really took advantage of it, and it was a struggle. We took the long way, but, you know, we made it. It's awesome. We win! I, like I'm telling you right now, it's the best uh, fan support in the league. Standing in the rain at the arch ground for the parade. Nobody cares. We're washing away 52 years. Go Blues. Yes! We got the cop. We got the f- cop. Woo! I'm a hometown hero, baby. Woo! Look around right now. We're standing cop chairs, baby. Play Gloria, baby. <laughs> Glory, Gloria. Two years ago today, remember Michelle, how when we walked out it was raining? And yes. I had, I had a, a oh, raincoat yeah. on and we, you had... Uh, you were prepared for the rain. All of us were prepared for the rain and it wound up being uh, a nice warm day and rain stayed away and it was one of the most incredible scenes ever. The 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 flag over Market Street and the crowds that were 20, 30, 40 deep. I'll never forget turning towards the arch on Walnut, I guess, and seeing all the people that were just sticking outside of the, the gaps in the stadium garage. Yeah, hanging out it was unreal. Just with their phones, wanting to get a glimpse of the cup as it paraded down market. Um, that was the single best day of my career, Randy. Uh, no disrespect to anything else we've been able to do or accomplish after that, but if I could capture that feeling in a bottle and sell it, we'd be billionaires because that day is what sports are all about. It's about greatness. It's about championships. It's about galvanizing people. It's about... Everyone pulling the rope the same way and cheering for something that's bigger than yourself. And we had so many people downtown St. Louis and everyone had a smile on their face. There was not one incident. Everyone had pure joy just emanating from them, from their toes all the way through the tips of their hair. I mean, it was just the best day Ever. It really is what sports is all about and what sports is capable of because there were no pit- political or religious affiliations that day. It was all about being galvanized by a sports franchise and all of us in St. Louis were and the players made it even better by getting out of their cars or trucks and interacting with the fans, which is probably the last time that that'll ever happen because of COVID. It, it was probably... The best sports parade ever and that there ever will be. Ever, without a doubt. And you're right. It was the best ever because the players were in the crowd Mm -hmm. with the fans. It was like we were all one. We were all equally as happy and relieved that it finally happened for us. It finally happened for the Blues and for St. Louis. But 
you and I were so fortunate. We were inside the barricades. We got a chance to walk the parade route with the players and mm-hmm. cover it for 101 ESPN. And last night in preparation for this, I was going back and looking through some of my videos and photos that I had. And it was everything from Vladimir Tarasenko hugging fans and taking pictures and Alex Petrangelo getting people out of the barricades, who elderly people who had waited their entire lives for this to walk down market with the cup. I did an interview with Ryan O'Reilly and he's standing right next to me and it's so loud that I, we're both screaming at one another and we can barely hear each other because that's how, and this was all the way almost down to the arch Mm -hmm. and people had been screaming for hours and they just were so happy and excited and I asked him what what this moment meant to him and he kind of took a deep breath and looked around and he was like I don't really even have words this is (laughs) unbelievable he's like I always thought about what it would be like if we won the cup here and this is so much better than anything I had ever imagined coolest thing I've ever experienced in my life there it is is it uh was it Vladdy or Petro that took the cup to an elderly gentleman that was in his wheelchair? I think it was Petro. Yeah, isn't that incredible? Yes. Just to Pat Maroon did that too, by the way. Right, right. To have athletes have that, and I think sometimes we we tend to generalize athletes as standoffish, and they they don't want to deal with fans, and we get it because of social media and everybody having a camera and everything. But that day was different, and that allowed the athletes to interact with the fans on more of a a personal level than I think any athlete ever gets the opportunity to do these days. There was mutual love and respect between the players and the fans. The the players were as excited for the fans to experience it because they knew the agony that a Blues fan Mm -hmm. had endured for over 50 years. And the fans in that moment didn't want to take advantage of the fact that the players were in the crowd and they just wanted to thank them for getting it done. And that's the best party that I've ever been to and the best party I'll ever be at. And I'll never forget one of the first players that came around that I walked with was Braden Shen. And we're not even five steps down the parade route and he's got champagne bottles. Mm -hmm. He's popping, shaking, spraying it into the crowd. And everybody couldn't have cared less about about anything other than partying that day and having a good time. You talk about champagne and beer and alcohol. Michelle, I met Brett, Brett Hall the day he was traded to St. Louis. I did a, a, a weekly <laughs> radio show with Brett Hall. I, I was I did a radio show with him on the night his first child was born. I, I've known Brett Hall forever. We've we've hung around, hung out. So you guys are familiar. Yeah. So the as the vehicles are going down Market Street, I'm interviewing everybody, all the players and all the former players, and I did get my opportunity. And uh, knowing Hully as I do, uh, I. You know, I try to use the Hully voice sometimes, so uh, this is what it sounded like when I interviewed Hully. Just a clip. Hully! How you doing, man? Ed, how are you? Ed. Ed, I I became Ed. How you doing, man? Ed, how are you? (laughs) I don't know where that came from. You know what? In Hully's defense, though, Randy, I think he would have thought I was Ed at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Those guys had partied with the cup that night. They had been on quite the bender by the time they got to the parade and boy did they earn it one other thing and (laughs) this is more for for michelle and i our our benefit but we we hope that you 
are part of this too because we want a radio show to become a community. We're all we're one. We we're you you are the BLIS, all right. You you folks are the best listeners in sports. We share our mornings together. Yeah, and how often before that parade started, as we were walking through the crowd, were people aware of the fact that I had to get a tattoo? Every step we took. Someone would be like, Randy, what's up, dude? And Randy would be like, hey, how you doing? They'd be like, did you get the tat yet? What are you getting the tattoo? I call Randy the mayor anyway because everywhere we go, everyone knows Randy. He's Mr. St. Louis and everybody adores him. It's very fun to watch if you're ever out in public. I'm sure you've shouted out Randy at some point if you've seen him. But we could not take a step without someone yelling at you about the tattoo, wanting to know if you've gotten it, when you were going to get it, how they could Mm -hmm. tune in, if they were going to get to see a photo of it. Uh, so you're welcome, Randy. <laughs> well, and we love the fact that you care and that you recognize us and that uh, you're you're part of the group. You're, you're you're one with us. We're all one big family here at Character and Smallman. And how many people also got tattoos with you? That oh, was yeah. something, too. People were saying they'd be like, Randy, you're going to tattoo. I'm going to get one, too. I never want to forget this. I want to memorialize this on my body. I think you kind of inspired a lot of other people to go out and get a tattoo. And if you have... And, and by the way, I know thousands of people got their Blues Stanley Cup tattoos. But Jeremy Rutherford did a cool piece at The Athletic later in that summer, I think in August of 2019. And there's a picture of a group of like eight of us with our Blues tattoos. So if you want to check that out, go look in the archives at The Athletic under Jeremy Rutherford's articles and you can find it. One of the best moments for me was standing on the side of the stage um, as the players uh-huh. were coming up and down because by the time that they got there, everyone was in rare form. Mm-hmm. So watching the people who are involved with the Blues organization and the parade try to corral the players and get them up onto the stage was something else. It and was such a great day. Chaser's story the other day about Hull about them trying to keep Hull off the stage <laughs> and it wasn't going to happen. How he snuck past the cops. Yeah. Yeah, we should probably revisit this later, but that's unbelievable. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Matthew is here. Coming up, we've got Take It or Leave It here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Our text line, 65780. Michelle, Randy, and Matthew with you. And it's time for Take It or Leave It. And Michelle, Ethan Bird is a weatherman and a sports guy on TV in Meridian, Mississippi. And he put together his forecast. And he's also, as we know, a sports fan. And this is what he had for his viewers in Meridian, Mississippi on Sunday night. And now we look at our 10-day forecast. It's looking a little bit like those Dallas Cowboys is peaking in the 90s. (laughs) Take it or leave it. That's like the best troll job ever. I'll take it. It's great. Peaking in the 90s. Peaking in the 90s. But they really did. Yeah, there's no doubt. And uh, they just haven't been back to a Super Bowl. So since the Cowboys were last in a Super Bowl, we have had St. Louis be in two Super Bowls, and we've lost our team. And we lost our team. <laughs> and they won a Super Bowl somewhere right, else. Right, exactly, yeah. 
true. Good point. Oh, Amazing. man. Uh, well, Randy, the Cardinals and Pirates, 645 tonight. Jack Flaherty on the bump for the, mm-hmm. for the Redbirds. Can't wait to see his return. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals are going to sweep the Pirates. I'm going to take that, yes. Uh, I, Flaherty's going to go 60 pitches, so he'll probably give him about four innings. And then the bullpen, which obviously got a huge rest yesterday because you used your big three in the day game, but not for a lot of pitches, and then only had to use Packy for one pitch last night. Bullpen's going to be set to go tonight. So, yeah, they're going to sweep the Buccos. And then go to after a day off tomorrow, play in Boston over the weekend. And you know that Paul Goldschmidt's going to continue to produce. He'll hit a home run. Brendan Donovan certainly is not cooling off. Yeah, I wonder why it is the Cardinals sluggers are so good against the Pirates. Jack Clark was, McGuire was, Pujols was, Goldie is. It's amazing how Cardinal sluggers just kill the Pirates. I thought you were going to say it's amazing that a helmet cannot stay on Brendan Donovan's head. I'm not amazed by that at all. I love it. It's, I do too. It's part of the the swag. Well, it's, it's part of the image. And don't you love, like, you have pitchers that when they could hit would have contests over which pitcher could hit the most home runs or get the most hits. You have to have a contest now between Bader and Donovan, right? Over whose helmet falls off the most? It's funny that it's guys with great flow. Oh, totally. Yeah, but they both have great flow. Great. You guys remember early Bryce Harper? I mean, he yeah. was, it, and his thing, you're doing it when you're running, you're digging for seconds, so you really got to get those high arms up, and somehow mm-hmm. you just keep hitting the bill of your helmet and making it fly off so the flow can just cascade down your shoulders. Yeah. yeah it's so great. accidental. What do we guy. have on the text line, Matthew? Take it or leave it. The Cardinals win the Central by five or more games. I'm leave that. Three? I think this is going to be a race. It could come down to those last six games against the Pirates as to whether or not the Cardinals open it up that significantly. I think I'm going to take three. Okay. I like that. Brewers are still pretty good. Now, the Brewers have but some health issues that they have to deal with. And the strength of schedule. It's going to work in the Cardinals' favor. Yes, it is. There's no doubt about that. Take it or leave it. Last night was the most disappointed you've ever been after an eight-run win. I'll take that. Yeah, I'll have to take that. I'm still bummed out mm-hmm. this morning. I'm so heartbroken for Miles Michaelis. Yeah. I don't so remember. close. Yeah. I don't remember being disappointed after an eight-run win. I don't either. So that's got to be number one on the list. Yeah, I think Waka's was like three to one or something right. like that. Yeah. So yeah, not, not, nearly as, not nearly as disappointed. Take it or leave it. A Cardinal win. A Cardinal wins the National League stolen base crown this year. The odds are there. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take it too. Either Edmund or Bader, one of them is going to, right? I was going to say, we've got a couple options for the Cardinals. I think it might be Tommy Edmund. Yeah, he gets on base a lot, and he's going to get more at-bats, more opportunities to be on base than Mr. Bader. Take it or leave it. With the play of these young players, you'd rather trade to Young than try to find a spot for him on the big league roster. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that, too. Now, I want to make sure that I look around and I can maximize my return. I don't want to trade him for just a mid-level prospect because I think he's good enough so that somebody will give up. He's a really good shortstop. Somebody will give up something for him. But at this stage, with the number of players the Cardinals have, I don't think there is room at the inn, unfortunately, for DeYoung. Yeah, it's musical chairs. Yeah. And I don't think he's going to have a seat. And you you want to maximize his value while you can. He's performing well in the minors. As you mentioned, the defensive metrics are certainly there. I think you could get a decent package for him. And I would that think might, so, too. That might not exist if he comes back up and it doesn't translate at the major league level. Right. And one thing they have to do, Michelle, I think, is be willing to take on some salary. I, I think that they need to make a substantial move for pitching by the deadline 
to be ready for the playoffs, to go, because Scherzer and DeGrom are coming back. Mm -hmm. So when it's Scherzer, DeGrom, Carrasco, Bassett, that gang, or, uh, and I'm guessing that Walker Bueller's probably going to have to have Tommy John, but you're still going to have two undefeated guys in Gonsolin and Anderson for the Dodgers, and your Urias and, and Kershaw are still there. You're going to need a big four, and let's not leave out Atlanta either. The world champions are getting healthy and rolling 12 in a row, 13 in a row. So you're going to have to have a big four, and Right now, with Flaherty back, nothing wrong with Flaherty, Wayno, Michaelis, Hudson, but if you can add a fifth and a left-hander into that group that has postseason experience, that would be huge. 618, take it or leave it. Baston's finest will boo these live players right off the course this week at the U.S. Open. I'm going to take that. By the way, great piece at The Athletic yesterday about the guy that uh, snuck into the Ryder Cup in 1999 He made up a credential with clergy on it, and he's in all the photos from the U.S. winning the Ryder Cup. It's a great story. Oh, I can't wait to read that. That sounds awesome. The best piece of U.S. Open news is that um, the U.K. players who are sponsored by TaylorMade Mm -hmm. have to walk around with bags that have references to Paul Revere's first ride. Oh, that's good. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) How do you you like that? Uh, Take it or leave it. We're talking about Paul Goldschmidt potentially winning the Triple Crown come September. I'll take that. Why not? He's capable. Yeah, he's. He, is he still leading the league in league in average? I think he is. There's no reason why he shouldn't. It went up last night. Yeah, <laughs> yes, or it did. yesterday, I should say, and he was at 321 before that, I think. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Goldie leads the National League in hitting, in uh, home runs. Let's see. Pete Alonso has 18, so he'll be in the hunt there. And RBIs right now, he is second to Alonzo. So, yeah, I'm going to say he's going to be be in that hunt. Well, Pete Alonzo's going to put a guy in the hospital and get suspended That's true. at some point this yep. season. So, that, you know, yep. you just got to kind of factor yep. that in. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And we appreciate your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. How great was it that the Cardinals were able to win that doubleheader without wearing out their bullpen? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. It's 8.05 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And Michelle's today's fresh take isn't really that fresh. It's just an update on a take that we had before the season started when we talked about the fact that the Cardinals needed to dominate the lower three teams in the National League Central. It's just what they have to do to win because realistically, they aren't going to dominate the Mets. They probably aren't going to dominate the Braves or the Dodgers. And so what they need to do is take care of their business against the Cubs and the Reds and the Pirates. And so far, they're 7-1 and one against the Pirates this year. 8-1 and one now. And that's something that they need to do for the rest of the season when they play the Reds and the Pirates. But you really, at least I feel like, I'm, I'm very happy with the way the Cardinals have gotten things started against those teams. 
how could you not be? They've handled their business. And I think it's funny that a lot of people are saying, oh, well, it's just the Pirates. It's not impressive. They should beat them. Exactly. They should beat them. They're they're taking care of their business. Why can we not give them credit for doing what they're supposed to do? Executing the game plan and feasting on these teams while they have the opportunity. Yeah, that's how the Cardinals are going to wind up in the playoffs, really. Uh, when, when you look at what they've done against those teams, Pittsburgh 8-1 and one now. The Reds four and two, so the Cardinals twelve and three, and then the Cubs they're three and two, so fifteen and five against those teams. Ten games over five hundred, and they're ten games over five hundred against baseball. They're they're thirty seven and twenty seven, so that's going to be the difference for them, and that's going to be the delineation point. So look at it from that perspective. The Cardinals are five hundred against everybody else, and ten games over against the teams that they need to take care of business against. And for the rest of the month, they should be handling business. Mm -hmm. Boston, very beatable team. Now, then you have four versus Milwaukee, but that's going to be a good litmus test, I think, for where the Cardinals are at. Then you have three versus the Cubs, three versus the Marlins, before you see Philadelphia twice and Atlanta and the Dodgers. You close out with, with the Reds, but there's little pockets in there where you can continue to feast and improve your your position in the standings. And by the way, my opinion of what this team is capable of changes with the re-arrival of Jack Flaherty. In my opinion, and I think it's pretty well borne out if you look at the history of baseball, if you have a number one number one, if you have a big-time ace to front your rotation, everybody else falls in place behind them. And Adam Wainwright, by the way, has done a magnificent job of being that guy for the last couple of years. But if you can have Flaherty against Scherzer, and then you have Wainwright against DeGrom, and then where you win is where you have Michaelis against Carlos Carrasco. And by the way, when you go into one of those games, you feel good. It's not like you're going to lose. You're on even footing with with Flaherty at his best against Scherzer. You're on even footing with Wayno at his best against DeGrom. And then you go with a Michaelis against a Carrasco or uh, Dakota Hudson uh, against uh, a Chris Bassett. All of a sudden, you feel like you can win a series against the Mets. And the the top four, taking nothing away from Wayno, Michaelis, Hudson, I guess right now it, it would be Palante. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just feel different with Jack Flaherty at his best at the top of that. I do too, although I'd be inclined to put Adam Wainwright as my ace, as my number one guy. I would just rather give Wayno the opportunity mm-hmm. to go twice if he needs to. But when the Cardinals face the Brewers next week, it's Michaelis, Flaherty, Wainwright, and Hudson. Those are your four guys versus the Brewers. You feel pretty good about those matchups mm-hmm. regardless about who's on the other side. Burns, Ashby, Lauer, and Alexander. You like the Cardinals' chances yeah. in those four games. Yeah, and the other thing is, as great as the Brewers have been, the Cardinal offense is better. You've got your big three with Edmund, Goldie, Arenado, and they need to get Arenado going, and then you hope you can get O'Neal going. But your offense really is better than the Mets, too, because they have some nice players. They have Alonzo, obviously, and Eduardo Escobar has been nice for them and uh, with, with the additions of people like Canna and, and Marte. And McNeil, who can hit, they've got a lot of nice offensive players either. But I would put the Cardinals' big three, Edmund, Goldie, Arenado, against any big three in the league, and that includes the Dodgers. And you still haven't had Tyler O'Neill right. become himself yet. Or Carlson. Or really. Carlson. Absolutely. So it's 
it's a good feeling to feel confident about yeah. the offense. And, and so the the offense coming back, and then for me, you win with pitching in the postseason. And I love the way the Cardinals match up. They're top four against really any, and that's a big statement, by the way, because the Mets and Dodgers and Padres top fours are all really good. But if you have Flaherty among your top four, Flaherty. <laughs> I love Michaelis as my number. Miles Michaelis as number three start is pretty impressive. Yes, it is. How can you not feel yeah. comfortable with that? Yeah. So, but having those guys having be able to be part of a top three, Flaherty, uh, and by the way, Dakota Hudson is number four. Pretty darn cool. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that is uh, today's fresh take on 101 ESPN. Coming up. Matt Carpenter is back and performing really well for the New York Yankees. His dad is a former National High School Coach of the Year who has become a friend of the station. And on Dad's Week, we talk to Rick Carpenter next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Join us all week as we celebrate Father's Day. I'll tell you, I was so proud of him. The work ethic that he put in, the determination, the the effort, the the groundwork, the travel. That's I'm very proud of that for you know numbers he's put up, but you know I'm even more proud for the person he is. You absolutely should be. Here we go. Driven deep to right field. There it goes. He's done it again. The amazing Matt Carpenter. Driven to right field and deep. Hayward back, turning, looking, see ya! A three-run home run! Matt Carpenter building the Yankee lead. It's 8-1. Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is Dad's Week, Michelle and Randy. And we go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. And joining us is one of our all-time favorites, Matt Carpenter's dad, Rick Carpenter, the 2014 National Baseball Coach of the Year, now retired and enjoying retirement. Good morning, Rick. How you doing? I am doing outstanding. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, we're so excited to talk to you, Rick. We've talked to you on Dad's Week Pass when Matt was a Cardinal, but now he's with the Yankees and he's making history. He's the first player in Yankees history with six-plus home runs and his first 10 games with the team. What's it been like for you to see Matt find his game again in New York? Oh, it's it's been indescribable. I'm gonna leave it at indescribable because if I really started explaining it, we'd we'd be 30 minutes into the show. But uh, I'll tell you, it's when uh, I mean he worked like crazy to get his swing back. Then he, he yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and take off on this. Y'all can stop me if you feel the need at any point. But be our guest. Go ahead. To, uh, yes, please. Well, he tells his agent. You know, his agent. As a matter of fact, his agent played for me. How cool is that? Wow, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so it's a real nice setup. But he tells him, you know, I, I don't. I just want to play for a select few teams. Matt actually got a couple offers, big league offers, but he turned them down because he didn't want to go there. I'm not going to mention teams, but he he didn't want to go there. So he he finally told his agent Brian Cahill said, you know, see if the Rangers will give me a, a shot at spring training. And give me a minor league deal if I don't make spring training. I'll try to make the most out of it there and hopefully make the the Rangers club where I can drive to work from where I live. And I have to go through all that and seeing he's got a family and all that. And, and at that point, Matt didn't have his swing back yet. So he, he did. That's why he didn't take those major league deals at first because he, 
his his comment was is you know he he knows what it was like to be bad in the big leagues and he didn't ever want to do it again. And I thought, well, that's pretty mature. You know, that's a good idea. So he he goes with the minor leagues and he he does well. And then he didn't, you know, get the call. He had an opt out clause in his contract on. And he calls up the, the Rangers and said, hey, you know, I'm just going to go home. Well, they they got on the phone with him and begged him to stay. And, you know, it's going to happen sooner or later. So he stays. He continues to hit well. And it just didn't happen. So, you know, three weeks late after that, he does come home. So, you know, we're all wondering, you know, is his career over? And – the next thing you know, it you know he's sitting on the couch out in a ranch he bought in Glen Rose, Texas, out in the middle of the country, and uh, and, and enjoying ranch life. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's on a plane headed to Tampa Bay to meet the Yankees. Wow, unbelievable story, Rick. And we're so glad to see him having success with the Yankees right now. But as you mentioned, he worked really hard to find his swing again. And if we know anything about Matt Carpenter during his time here in St. Louis, he is the hardest worker on the field. What was that like for you as not only his dad, but as a Hall of Fame baseball coach yourself, who's really good at evaluating players, to watch Matt try to break himself down and then rebuild himself from the ground up and find his swing again? I'll tell you, I was so proud of him. The work ethic that he put in, the determination, the the effort, the the groundwork, the travel. Uh, you know, you, you probably know all about it, but he, he went across the country to a couple of hitting gurus and, and a couple friends that he played with and, and hashed out with them. And, and finally, all of a sudden, you know, he it started to click again like it did back in the – you know when he was when he was hot, and you know he was quoted. Uh, you know after this great game he had a couple of days ago, you know he was quoted as, uh, you know I know I've been around this game long enough to know when things are right, and things are right right now. Rick Carpenter, so he, he's got it back. Yeah, he he really does. And was he or were you ever concerned that at the age of thirty five, thirty six, that it just wasn't there anymore? You know, I don't think he was. He, he never mentioned that once. You know, he just say his nose to the grindstone. And, and I'll tell you, I don't know if you guys remember me from the past, but I'm pretty emotional, so I may start crying at any point in time. You have to live with that. But, you know, <laughs> Let it out. I mean, it, it, I was, I've been so proud of him for the you know, effort he's put in. And, 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 and what impressed me the most probably out of all this is, you know, he's got a ton of pride. There's no doubt about that, but he doesn't have so much pride that he didn't turn his nose up at a minor league deal. He went to the minor league, and what made me even more proud of him is he went there and became a mentor. Not only was he working on getting his game back, he's helping people there, and he's actually a teammate at Round Rock AAA for the Rangers of a kid I coached at Prosper when we won the state championship in 2015, became his mentor. Now, how cool is that story? So that, cool. That's remarkable. And you know what, Rick, and I'm sure you know this, but the Cardinals brought up so many young players over the last couple of years here in St. Louis who would refer to what a great teammate Matt Carpenter was, even 
when he was struggling, uh, a young hitter was getting a, a word of advice from Matt, who had been there. He's been a top five MVP guy. And that's one of the things, A, and most importantly as a father, but he, B, as a guy who's involved in athletics, to, to see somebody be a great teammate is about as good as it gets. It, it, it is. I mean, being a coach, I mean, for me, number one is it's all about the team, not the individual. And Matt's been around that all his life. He's embraced that. And, and one year out at his ranch, he brought out Harrison Bader, Tyler O'Neill, and Paul DeYoung, and uh, and and had had a little hitting uh, set up with them. And then two years ago, I'm at Cincinnati. That's that's pretty close to my hometown of Franklin, Ohio. So I go to Cincinnati to watch Matt play. And, and I'm walking around, I'm, I'm going up to get something to eat or whatever, but I'm up around the concourse, and, and a gentleman steps in front of me, and he goes, aren't you Matt Carpenter's dad? And I go, yes, sir, I am. And he goes, well, I'm Harrison Bader's dad. Oh, and wow. so I, 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 yeah, I shake his hand, and he, and Harrison Bader's dad starts, <laughs> this is going to make me tear up, because Harrison Bader's dad starts tearing up, and he says, I just want you to know, that the reason that my son right now is on this tear, I mean, Harrison was really hot at this particular time. He said it's because of your son encouraging him and working with him and being a mentor. So, wow. you know, I, that, I'm very proud of that for, you know, numbers he's put up, but, you know, I'm even more proud for the person he is. You absolutely should be, and uh, th- that's a great story. Hey, Rick. You know Matt and the swing better than anybody. You've told us about the doll rod in the in the sliding door that he he started swinging <laughs> when he was a baby. So, did you know what was wrong with this swing? You know, I I could see a tiny flaw, but you know, honestly, what a what a high what a good high school coach is good at more than anything is building a culture and building a team and getting kids to play hard. And, you know, it's pretty, you can't be a hitting coach to 25 people. So, you know, be totally honest with you. Yes. I, I taught Matt how to hit and I taught him how to play the game, but it's when he went off to college, you know, I told him, I told him and my son Tyler, when he went off to college that, Hey, you know, I'm not going to coach you guys anymore because I'm afraid that I'll say something to you that contradicts what your coach is telling you. And me being a coach, I know how detrimental that is. So, honestly, you know, I was hands-off on this. I threw batting practice to him. I encouraged him. You know, and I I would say, hey, it looked like you did this, or it looked like you did that. But, you know, I – I'd love to tell you, hey, I'd love to beat my chest and say, hey, I fixed the problem. But I did not. You know, he did this on his own. That's awesome, Rick. Uh, now, I'm going to ask you something that might be a little bit controversial. I hope that's okay. Well, I won't answer. <laughs> so, Rick, uh, Matt's always been known for his beautiful beard here in St. Louis. He goes to New York and he's rocking the mustache. I need to know what Rick Carpenter, Matt's dad, thinks of the new facial hair. I love it because <laughs> I can't tell you how many of the, the kids, you know, we got a, we got a family uh, text, of course, and the family, I don't know where my daughter got it, but she sends a picture out to the family of me when I was probably Matt's age. <laughs> and it, it, it really is incredible because I had the mustache going when I was Matt's age. 
and 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 it really is incredible how how close we look. So you know, I'm I'm okay with it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, here's a good story about this though. When he came out of the bathroom after shaving his beard, he walks down the hall and his daughter looks at him and goes, Daddy, put it back on. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Hey, uh, Rick, you mentioned at the top uh, in response to Michelle's first question that this is an indescribable feeling. Is part of it because it's the Yankees? I mean, all of us that are baseball fans, we revere the organization. So how much of this being indescribable is attributable to the fact that he's doing it with the Yankees? Oh, it's, it's a lot. You know, if it, I don't care who he was doing it with. You know, I would be tickled pink. There's no doubt. But the, the fact that he's doing it with the Yankees, like, you know, when he got called up to Tampa Bay, we didn't go there. We immediately got our plane tickets to the first homestand, which is a couple days later. You know, so we're up in New York, and he play he homers in three straight games in that first homestand in New York. And when he hit the home, his first home run at Yankee Stadium in his first game, I mean, it's it's hard to describe because I I just sat there and looked at it. <laughs> it. It was like what just happened. You know, it was a, it was awesome. Hard to describe. Surreal. It is surreal, Rick. Now, uh, Matt's a Texas boy. As you mentioned, he has a ranch in Texas, spent a lot of time in St. Louis, which is different, but uh, a lot of similarities, I would say. But New York City is a whole different animal. So what's it been like for Matt and his family to be New York City residents now? They decide they've got great attitudes. Matt and his wife, Mackenzie, they just got great attitudes toward life. They don't get shook up over anything their whole deal was you know what we're going to embrace this we're going to love this we're going to we're going to experience new york we're going to attack the situation you know where you know me when i when i went in there for that first homestand i'm looking around my eyes are big as saucers and you know i'm wanting to go back home to the ranch you know but uh no nah, he, he's loving it he, he loves the he loves uh he, he loves the big stage you know which all athletes most athletes do, you know, so it's been a good thing. Hey, last thing, it would have been easy, and I think a lot of athletes do this, Rick. You make a bunch of money, and things don't go well, and a team doesn't pick up the option, and I think a lot of athletes would just say, yeah, I'm good. I love, and and this goes back to the essence of why he made it to the majors and why he, he got into great such great shape at TCU. This at its foundation, you you use the word pride. I'm going to use the word competitiveness. It, it gives us a, a window into how competitive your son is. Yeah, you don't want to flame in anything. I'll just give you that bit of advice right there because he's going to do everything he can to beat you, and that, that's the way he approaches life. And and yeah, he he did not like at all how the last two to two and a half years went. And he was bound and determined to get it back. And I'll tell you, I, I couldn't be any more happier for him. And I couldn't be any more proud of him for, you know, turning it around and making it happen. We're proud of him too, Rick. Final thing from me, we're, we're having you on because you're Matt Carpenter's dad, but he's a dad himself. What's Matt like as a dad? And what's it like for you to watch Matt be a dad? Oh, uh, I'm going to have to take a deep breath here real quick so I don't cry because, I mean, he's great. He he is great. He's great with his kids. He spends every chance he can with them. You know, he he pitches to his son all the time. And, 
uh, and his daughter and, and you name it. I mean, he he does it for them, and, and it's it's just fun for me to watch that. Fortunately, being retired and and uh, I live out on that ranch with them, and, and I've had a bird's-eye view of that, and it just makes life even more enjoyable than life already is. That's fantastic. And, again, here in St. Louis, he's going to be a Cardinal Hall of Famer, but we're so happy to see Matt get the swing back and, and get his baseball career back, and especially watching it on the big stage. And we're so happy that you get an opportunity to see it all unfold too, Rick. Thanks so much for the time, and have a happy Father's Day. I thank you so much. I appreciate y'all having me on here. That is uh, Rick Carpenter, Matt's dad, joining us on 101 ESPN. Great to hear from him. What a great guy. Awesome guy. And great response to that interview on the text line. Someone's asking if Mr. Carpenter is willing to adopt a 50-year-old son. (laughs) He might be. (laughs) He might. So great to have him. Later on in the show, by the way, we're going to talk to Adam Wainwright, a good friend of Matt Carpenter's. He comes up at 930. But next up, a special edition of The Fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. It's time for the fight on Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 839 in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And it is Dad's Week as we gear up for Father's Day on Sunday here on Carriker and Smallman. And so we have a special edition of the fight today. Challenging Megamind, his opposition is his son, Patrick Carriker, who's joining us now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Patrick. How you doing? Pretty good. How about you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Now, I have to warn you, Patrick. Randy got up out of his chair. He walked outside to go into the cone of silence. And on his way out the door, he says, if Patrick beats me today, I'm going to be pissed. (laughs) 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 So he's he's competitive even with you, which I appreciate. Yeah, always. Okay, well, are you ready to go? Are you ready to take on your dad in the fight? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Question number one for Patrick Carricker. Scott Spezio won a World Series with the 2006 Cardinals, but in which year did his father, Ed, win a championship with the Redbirds? 1964, 1967, or 1982? I think it was 1967. All right. Dale and Yogi Berra hit 407 home runs between them in a combined 30 years of Major League Baseball service. Yogi, of course, hit 358 over 19 years, and Dale amassed 49 in his 11-year career. Which team took a chance on Dale in 1975, drafting him in the first round of that year's amateur draft? Was it the Cincinnati Reds, the Pittsburgh Pirates, or the New York Yankees? I'm going to go with the Pirates here. That's a wild guess, but we'll go Pirates. Okay. Question number three for Patrick. Between Bobby Bonds, Ken Griffey Sr., and Mel Stoudemire, Stoudemire, excuse me, which MLB patriarch was an all-star more than three times? Was it Bobby Bonds, Ken Griffey Sr., or Mel Stoudemire? Let's go... Let's go Bobby Bonds here. 
Right. And which father-son duo has amassed more combined titles in their respective sports? Brett and Bobby Hall, Chris and Howie Long, or Bill and Luke Walton? Does this count coaching titles? Just as players. Okay. Um, Good question. Uh, then let's go Brett and Bobby. Or I'm still going to go Bill and Luke Walton, actually. Okay. Our score has been confirmed. Waving in Randy. Patrick, you did well, I have to tell you. But I'm not surprised. Thank Patrick you. works in sports. He's got a great sports mind, just like his dad. He's yeah. Megamind Jr. Can I just say, the, the, the character's ability, father and son, to ask me a question about my trivia question, where it makes me think, did I write this down right? Is, I mean, that 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 is in the genes. He needed some clarification on question number four, and it was a great question that he him. asked, Randy. Are you surprised? I'm not surprised. <laughs> Randy, say good morning to your son, Patrick. Patrick, good morning. What are you doing up? <laughs> Fighting you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for getting up. We appreciate it. We love you. I love you. Thank you. Love you too. Question number one for Randy. Scott Spezia won a World Series with the 2006 Cardinals, but in which year did his father, Ed, win a championship with the Redbirds? That would have been the 1967 team that knocked off Boston in the World Series. All right, Dale and Yogi Berra combined for 407 home runs in their career. Yogi hit 358, and Dale amassed 49 dingers in his career. Which team drafted Dale Berra in the first round of the 1975 draft? I knew he played for the Pirates. I remember that, so I'm going to go with Pittsburgh, unless he was acquired in a trade somehow, but I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i go with the Pirates. Between Bobby Bonds, Ken Griffey Sr., and Mel Stoudemire, which MLB patriarch was an all-star more than three times? Bobby Bonds, Ken Griffey Sr., and Mel Stoudemire. And they were an all-star? More than three times. Which one out of those guys? Three. Uh, Let's see. Bobby Bonds was a really good player. Um... So was Griffey Sr., but I don't think he had more than three. Stottlemyre was pretty darn good, too. But I think I'll go with... Uh, I think I'll go with Bobby Bonds. Which father-son duo has more combined titles in their respective sports? Brett and Bobby Hall. Oh, no answers. Oh, no answers. Well, no, i, I got to give him these ones. He, he just can't guess it out of the ether. I, I picked three. It's, it's, it's a different fight. I, I changed up the format a little bit because I wanted to make, get okay. some good father-son questions in here. Got it. So but which, we don't give him the answers. Yeah, I know, but he, there's no other way for, there was no other way for me to frame oh, it this okay. way. Okay, I, I got, got to give him the got answers. It. it was like the third question, too. He got the options already. I understand. I get what you're saying. I really okay. wanted some good father-son I get ones. what you're saying. <laughs> which father-son duo of these three? Justice has, for Patrick. <laughs> has yeah. more combined titles in their respective sport. So your expectation is that I got to pick out yeah. who the three are. Yeah, I just thought, <laughs> Randy, you're mad <laughs> that you should just know it. As players, which father-son duo has more combined titles in their respective sport? Brett and Bobby Hall. Chris and Howie Long, or Bill and Luke Walton? <laughs> okay. Brett and Bobby Hull. Bobby doesn't have any, and Brett has two. Bill Walton won with Portland and with the Celtics. Luke Walton was with the Lakers. Was he on all f- three? I'm going to, and then Howie, 
Obviously, Chris has two. And I think Howie had... You know what? He, no, I think he was on two. Okay, so somebody clearly has more. So I'm going to... I'm going to think that Howie wasn't around for the Raiders 77 championship, but he definitely was there for 90 uh, or 81, no, 79 and 83 in LA. So I am, I'm going to say that Chris and Howie have accounted for four And I'm just going to guess that Luke and Bill have accounted for more than four. So I'm going to go with Luke Walton and Bill Walton. Of course. We have a tie. We have a tie between Randy and Patrick. And not only do we have a tie, gentlemen, you both got the same question incorrect. Wow. (laughs) The the exact same answer, too. Same brain. Hmm. Same brain. All right, Patrick, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to read the tiebreaker question. Your dad is going to write his answer down on a sheet of paper. We'll give you first crack at it. We will give you about 10 seconds to give us your answer. Then your dad will share what he's written down, and we will determine a winner. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. Randy, are you ready? ready? Okay, here we go. To the characters. Here is your tiebreaker question. Through their first 403 Major League Baseball games, Vlad Guerrero Sr. and Jr. have the exact same amount of home runs and OBP. How many home runs did they both hit through their first 403 games? This is kind of random, but I like it. (laughs) I have to go random on the tiebreakers, or else you get them correct, and I have to think of more. Okay. (laughs) Closest to the pen, baby. Uh, so we, this is just homers here yes. that we're guessing? Yes. Okay. How many home runs did Vlad Guerrero Sr. and Jr. both hit through their first 403 games? They have the exact same amount. Okay. Okay, I have Randy's answer here. I am going to guess 89. Patrick guesses 89. Randy, your guess is? 52. We have someone that is dangerously close to the pin here. Is Randy going to be mad that his son beat him? (laughs) Yes. In front of millions of people. Better not. (laughs) Did Patrick become the biggest megamind in the character family? Matt, ring the bell. Champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair, home of the non-commission-based sales force and hassle-free warranty. Yes. This is the worst. Yes. (laughs) I am fist-pumping for you, Patrick. Just win, baby. That's for Patrick, too. Patrick Carriker. Just win, baby. There you go. With the victory over his dad. Came down to the tiebreaker question, and he was oh so close. Let's roll it back to the top. So Scott Spezio won a World Series with the 2006 Cardinals. His father, Ed, won a championship with the Redbirds in 1967. You both knew that one. Dale Barra was drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates in the 1973 Amateur Draft. You both got that one correct, too. Between Bobby Bonds, Ken Griffey Sr., and Mel Stottlemyre, which of these MLB patriarchs was an all-star more than three times? The answer was Mel Stottlemyre, Mm. who had five. Five All-Stars for Mel. And the father-son duo that has the most combined titles and their respective sport is Bill and Luke Walton. Four for them, three for the Longs, and uh, three for the um, Hulls. There you go. Which took us to our tiebreaker question. 
through their first 403 games, Vlad Guerrero Sr. and Vlad Guerrero Jr. have the exact same amount of home runs and OBP. Crazy. How many home runs did they both hit through their first 403 games? Randy said 52. Patrick Carricker said 89. The correct answer is 87. Wow. So close. Congratulations, Patrick. You have bragging rights for life. Thank you. I'm glad we aren't playing prices right rules. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Great job, man. I will see you later. Love you. Okay. Sounds good. Love you too. See you later. That is uh, Patrick Carricker. Good job. Randy shaking his head. Hey, he you created this. You it. created the monster that I, will be you. Uh, not a monster, yeah. an angel, but you created the the thing that will take you down. It'll be a monster from now on, believe me. <laughs> Hey, on this Father's Day week, some information that you need to know next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker, and there's an organization in St. Louis that you need to know about. It's called Fathers and Families Support Center, and I've been involved with them for nearly a decade. I host their trivia night. Tonight, I'm honored to emcee their Toast to Fathers banquet. And what Fathers and Families Support Center is trying to do is close the, the circle that has developed of fathers that aren't involved with their children. They're their biological fathers, but they don't really have anything to do with them, and Fathers and Families Support Center reunites fathers with their kids in a really magnificent way. Sherry Tillis is the CEO of Fathers and Families Support Center and joins us now on 101 ESPN. Sherry, thanks so much for taking some time with us this morning. How are you? Good morning. Doing very well, and thanks so much for having me. Well, we're honored to have you, and like I said at the beginning, people in St. Louis need to know about this, and I I always say this should be a national program. Tell us about how Fathers and Family Support Center reunites fathers that aren't around with their kids. Well, we provide our fathers with a year-long experience, starting with a six-week class that meets Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., and it gives them services that focuses on healthy parenting, responsible fatherhood. We practice family law and give them legal services so they can set up visitation rights, and we also focus on financial literacy, male health and wellness, and reproductive care, and we also have a component that focuses on career development, making sure that they can financially provide for their children by getting them into employment career pathways that will help them sustain their families. And Sherry, we know how important fathers are in children's lives, but you have some stats on your website that are pretty jarring about the things that kids are at risk for or the the increased likelihood that they're at risk for without fathers in their lives. So uh, can you just explain a little bit to us about how important father's involvement is for children? Right. Those fatherhood stats are uh, pretty amazing. 20 children from fatherless homes or 20 times more likely to end up in prison, suffer from behavioral issues, 10 times more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, nine times more likely to end up in juvenile detention centers and have problems in schools. But the father being in the home can impact those outcomes by providing a strong um strong stability to the family that actually helps those children to be more successful within society and as they go into adulthood. Uh, Just his presence alone uh, will impact 
those outcomes. And Sherry, uh, our friend and the founder of Father Support Center, Halbert Sullivan, passed away last year. But he was a shining example for these young men, wasn't he? Absolutely. Mr. Sullivan was able to build this project off of some of his own personal learnings through uh, his experience as a father, as well as just his experience in manhood. Mr. Sullivan had some issues in his own life which sent him to drug treatment, but he was able to go to community college and then get his bachelor's in social work from Fontbonne and then go on uh, to Wash U and graduate from Warren, uh, George Warren Brown School of Social Work with his MSW. And instead of uh, just going off and, you know, having this wonderful life, he decided to reach back and help fathers that may have had the same struggles that he had. And, and Sherry, you mentioned the six-week program. We don't want to have people get the idea that this is easy. This is a boot camp, and this is not an easy process. And the young men that do it come out of it so much better off. Absolutely. The six weeks has very strict rules that you have to show up on time each day. You can't be absent more than twice on that third time will give you the opportunity to come back to the next class. And it really is an opportunity for those men to get a checkup from the neck up, uh, get them ready for the career plan, get them ready to show up for their children more importantly. And Sherry, Fathers and Family Support Center has been very successful in their endeavors. Can you give us uh, some statistics? How many families have you helped? How much money have you raised to collect child support? I I know that you guys have been able to do some amazing things in the community. Oh, yes. Over in, in 2021, we were able to serve 651 families in a pandemic, nonetheless. Uh, We were also able to help child support collect over $1.1 million, which goes to the children of our fathers. Um, Another great statistic that we were able to reach is we helped employ and or maintain employment for 266 individuals, which resulted in about $7.1 million back into the local economy. And most importantly, about 77% of our parents responded report that they have increased interaction with their children after participating with our projects. And we do all of that on a $3.2 million budget, um, but we're able to have large impacts with the community. And Sherry, uh, the biggest impact to me is this, that kids are growing up and the father not being present is normal. So they have kids and that is just normal for them. And what fathers and Fathers and Family Support Center does, as far as I'm concerned, the best way I can put it is it's ending the normalcy of dads not being with their children. Absolutely. That's a generational curse that we work very hard to break um, because the trauma that that happens as a result of fathers not being there. It's just unfair to children and children should not have to grow up missing a piece of themselves, which is what happens when the fathers aren't in the picture. Uh, The fathers are that missing link to help them to know who they are, to speak life to them, to help them on their journey and their destiny, to give them that tough love that helps them to be successful in life. Uh, Sherry, one more thing. Obviously, I mentioned we're going to have the Toast to Fathers dinner tonight. We have the trivia night every year. How can people get involved with Fathers and Family Support Center? Uh, We have many ways to get involved. You can volunteer. You can 
uh, assist us with by coming to our fundraisers and our activities. Uh, you can look us up on the Internet or give us a call at 314-333-4170 if you are interested in volunteering with our organization. And I always or say- if you know a father that needs to come, we definitely are uh, enrolling. And so just give us a call at that number and we'll assist him from there. That's fantastic. And I always say this is a a fantastic St. Louis organization, but we need to get this going all around the country because this isn't a St. Louis problem. It's an America problem that is being solved by Father Support Center. And Sherry, we can't thank you enough for taking the time with us this morning and for doing what you do. Thank you so much. Y'all have a wonderful day. You too, and we'll see you tonight. Uh Uh, That is Sherry Tillis. She is the CEO of Fathers and Family Support Center. It is amazing what they're able to do. And uh, like she said, you can get involved at fathersupportcenter.org. You're killing me. This is coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. It is time now for... You're killing me, Smalls. We have Stanley Cup Final, game one tonight. You can listen right here on 101 ESPN with pregame starting at 6.30. Hashtag go Bolts. Hashtag go Bolts. It's the Colorado Avalanche versus the Tampa Bay Lightning with our hometown hero, baby Pat Maroon, going for yet another Stanley Cup championship. His run has been ridiculous. But he was on with Pat McAfee yesterday, Randy, on the Pat McAfee show. And they were asking Pat Maroon about Stan Kroenke and if he helicopters into the arena in Denver, what his situation was. And Pat Maroon, again, a hometown hero, baby, a St. Louis boy, did not hold back when describing his feelings for one Stanley Kroenke. I hate Stan Kroenke. I'm a Stan Lewis boy. Oh, yeah. I can't stand that guy. Honestly, he took the greatest game on turf with Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, I mean, Orlando Pace. I mean, you can go down the... I mean, just to watch that, I think Mike Jones made that huge tackle against Tennessee. But, like, to have that taken away from us, it just sucks. I know we had terrible years. Chris Long would always tell me, like, this... I mean, our teams are terrible. You know, then he go, he goes away and he goes wins back-to-back Super Bowl. So it's just like you go from that environment to that and you wonder why. But the fans are true passion in St. Louis. And I just can't stand that guy for taking him out of there. Hey, dude, we the, need a, St. Louis needs a football team. I don't know how you guys feel about the that. The Battlehawks, dude. The Battlehawks of the XFL <laughs> sold out the entire bottom bowl yeah, of that s**t-ass <laughs> dome. They did not get a, a lot of love to the Edward Jones Dome, but gave no. a ton of love for the St. Louis sports fan and talked about how great the fans are in St. Louis. And as you heard Pat McAfee pointing out, sold out the entire lower dome for the Battle Hawks. But shout out to our boy, Pat Maroon, the big rig, for going on a big time national yep. show to say, I hate Stan Kroenke. I can't stand him because he took the Rams from St. Louis. We appreciate you. Go get him, Patty. If we could have... And it's almost impossible that we could have loved Pat Maroon anymore, right? Correct. 
but I love him even more now. I love him even more. <laughs> Just when you think you can't love him even more, he goes on Pat McAfee yeah. to say he hates Stan Kroenke. He's as good as it gets. Yeah, thank you, Patrick. We do appreciate it. And you know, Pat Maroon is a very genuine guy. He's always himself 24-7. Mm-hmm. But a lot of guys might not want to open that door, bulletin board material, or, or have that be a headline before they go into a Stanley Cup final versus the Colorado Avalanche. So... Even more props to Pat Marone for not caring about any of that and just saying how he truly feels. Yeah, and I, I guarantee you that the Colorado Aval- Avalanche players, they they don't have much affinity, or if any, because they don't even know Stan Kroenke. So I don't think you need to worry about that firing them up in terms of bulletin board material. And by the way, thanks to Pat's dad and brothers for listening every day. We do appreciate it. They're great. And uh, the, actually, one of them passed along the... Uh, that clip from Pat McAfee to us yesterday. Love it. So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, it's cool. And, and so we're rooting for you. Yes. I'm a hometown hero, baby. <laughs> One of the great sound bites of all time. It really is. But yes, let's go Bolts. Let's yep. go Pat Marone. You're killing me, Smalls. Randy, you might remember that Tom Brady secured a $375 million deal with Fox to pretty get into good. the broadcast pretty, booth pretty good. after he's done playing. Yeah, that's right. Never done it before. $375 million deal with Fox. Well, that got the interest of one LeBron James, who said that he wants to own an NBA franchise. We know that he has Spring Hill Entertainment. He's involved in the entertainment world. But he's looking at what his life might be like after he's done playing. And in addition to owning an NBA franchise, he said he might launch a podcast and that he might follow Tom Brady's footsteps into the booth. And apparently, he said that because of the price tag of Tom Brady's contract, that made him a little bit more interested in getting into broadcasting when he was done. I wonder if you could own one franchise and be broadcasting the games of another. I don't think they allow in the NBA Grant Hill, for example, to do Atlanta Hawks games. He's part of their broadcast group. But I wonder how that would go over with the rest of the league if he is the majority owner of one franchise and then is broadcasting games for other franchises. Yeah, I don't know if he could do both. But I wonder how he would be as an analyst. So he was asked if it was something he would in- be interested in. And he said, yeah, when I seen how much Tom Brady signed for, you're you're right, I did. Swear word there. Mm-hmm. I'll do it for sure. I mean, one, my knowledge of the sport and being able to have my insight on the sport and still be around the game. I want to stay around the game for sure forever. And that's the big question about guys like Tom Brady and LeBron, especially going into the booth right after they're done playing. They have so many connections. Are you going to really talk about what you think? Are you going to be Pat Beverly mm-hmm. and go on a national network and actually give a, a take on something, even if it is controversial? I don't know if either one of those guys will do it. No, I'm I'm not sure they... I, I think it's pretty safe to say that it'd be difficult to give a controversial take. My biggest concern, if I were the NBA... If you're A-Rod and you own the Timberwolves and LeBron is doing, for whatever reason, a T-Wolves game against the Pelicans and LeBron goes to Carl Anthony Towns and says, hey, you know, you should come and play in Vegas before the game. You know, he's just out on the court. You really want that happening? And would LeBron recruits everybody now. What would stop him then? I don't think... Being in a broadcast booth would get him more access to players. I think if he was an owner and he wanted mm-hmm. somebody, he could make it happen regardless. But I, if you're another owner, you just don't like those optics, I don't think. Well, he could certainly get in the booth and dump heaping praise on a player and try and butter yeah. him up that way. Do you hear what I said about you on TNT? Yep, yep. Right. So if I were, number one, 
he might be a guy that enhances the ratings for an ESPN if you give him three hundred and seventy-five million. But if I'm an owner, I don't want LeBron being an owner and a broadcaster. I also wonder about LeBron's personality because what makes Inside the NBA so great is the personalities mm-hmm. of Shaq and of Charles Barkley and them being willing to put themselves into funny and vulnerable situations. LeBron is is all about image and you know he, right. he makes fun of himself with Taco Tuesday and all that, but I just wonder if he would be willing to make fun of himself the way that those guys do. And those guys have no qualms and you referenced this, about taking a shot at a current player. Correct. And I I think LeBron would have great difficulty, for example, uh, when they would just rail on JaVale McGee every single week. Or Kevin Durant talking about the bus. Called him a bus rider and then drove an actual bus off the set. I mean, that's that's something I cannot picture LeBron doing. I'm with you. I, I don't think he would. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Coming up, Mike Claiborne told us yesterday about a great new uh, TV show that's coming up on the History Channel. It's called After Jackie. And we're going to talk to the director of this program next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. forward to Saturday night at 7 o'clock St. Louis time. The History Channel has a new two-hour documentary called After Jackie, and it's about the next generation of black baseball players, including Bob Gibson and Kurt Flood here in St. Louis, who fought for racial equality in baseball after Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier 75 years ago. And Andre Gaines has put together a great documentary. He is the director of After Jackie and joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Andre with Michelle Smallman. This is Randy Carricker. Thanks so much for your time this morning. How are you? Good. Good morning. How are you doing? We're doing Thanks well. For having me. We, we thank you for taking some time with us. And uh, we were actually talking to Mike Claiborne, whom you know, and he was uh, oh, part sure. of the, the production of this. And it, it really is notable that in the 60s, late 50s and 60s, with Bill White and Kurt Flood and Bob Gibson, those guys really did pick up for uh, and continue what Jackie Robinson had started. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Mike Claiborne was was fantastic. I mean, as I was so thankful that he was willing to do the the an interview for the film, and he just, you know, such an eloquent speaker and storyteller. It was it was great to have him. And for for the guys that you know came after Jackie Robinson, I mean, you know, we're talking about the St. Louis Cardinals. We're talking about Bill White, Bob Gibson, Kurt Flood. Those are you know three main characters in After Jackie that we really focus on. Um, and what Mike was able to do so wonderfully is really help us understand what it meant to carry Jackie Robinson's torch. You know, he, 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 he was the spark and, uh, and he was also there behind the scenes and in front of the scenes, you know, uh, helping these guys both on and off the field, uh, try to, to carry that legacy forward. And they did so in such extraordinary ways that we just had to highlight it. Andre, so looking forward to seeing after Jackie. And as, as you mentioned, it's that second wave of talented African-American players that's highlighted, including Bill White, Kurt Flood, and Bob Gibson. How difficult was the environment that they stepped into, even after Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier? What type of battles were they having to deal with on and off the field? Well, it's two things, really. The the first is that they had, they had a, a unique 
a unique set of circumstances to deal with. Uh, there was the same racial discrimination and inequality that Jackie Robinson was dealing with, but they just didn't have the cameras on them the way that Jackie Robinson did. So, you know, when Jackie broke the color barrier, he was the you know center of attention globally and everyone was paying attention. To it. But you had uh, Bill, Bob and Kurt who were really, you know, doing the same thing. And then as a result, uh, sometimes that discrimination was even worse. Uh, and, and, and racism was even worse than what Jackie Robinson had experienced because there was nobody watching. The second thing really had to do with their lives off the field. You know, they, they talk about just trying to survive. I mean, the white players stayed with white players and the black players stayed with black players in segregated housing, and they didn't want to do that. The, the players wanted to stay together, and it was really Bill White who talked to August Bush, who was the you know, owner of the, of the team at the time, uh, about the, the team staying together so that their families can integrate and they can have uh, camaraderie. And they credit that camaraderie with their huge success throughout the 60s. So it was it was great to really pull those two pieces together. Andre Gaines is the director of After Jackie. You can see it. It's a two-hour documentary Saturday night, 7 o'clock St. Louis time on the History Channel. And specific to Kurt Flood, Andre, what a remarkably tough, thoughtful, and historic individual. When you combine what he did here in this situation with what he did to actually foretell free agency in baseball, what a, a generational difference maker Kurt Flood was. Oh, for sure. And and he he's one of the most underappreciated figures in, in all of sport. I mean, Kurt, Kurt Flood literally sacrificed his career, his livelihood, his 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 family, uh, his wealth and, and his health. I mean, you know, it, it took an enormous toll on Kurt Flood to fight against this reserve clause, which is what was at the time, which basically was made players indentured servants. I mean, the owners of the teams could just decide to pay them whatever they wanted to and trade them or keep them. There was a contract they had to, had to sign it. And Kurt Flood fought against that. You know, he said, I've got my family here. I've got my friends here. I've got my home. I'm settled. I don't want to be traded to the Phillies, which is what was uh, on the table at the time. And, uh, and as a result, you know, he, he got castigated because of it, but he gave birth to what you described as modern day free agency that, you know, made it possible for one of our executive producers, LeBron James, you know, to, to, to make the decision, you know, to do these, these huge contracts and go to where they want to go. So we wanted to focus on that and, and we really wanted to give folks like Kurt Flood his due. Andre, we really appreciate the the dive that you've taken into this to help educate us about a lot of the things that we don't know about from the 60s with these Cardinals. And we can't wait to see the documentary on Saturday night, 7 o'clock on the History Channel. Thanks for what you've done in putting this together, and thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Take care. Andre Gaines, the name of the documentary is After Jackie, and it's on the History Channel Saturday night at 7 Uh, coming up this week, the night before Father's Day. Wednesdays with Wayno is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Getting you inside the cards. Inside corner, and he struck him out. That's strikeout number 1,000.
Townsend at Bush Stadium for Adam Wainwright. It's Redbirds pitcher Adam Wainwright on 101 ESPN. Third time through the lineup, he strikes out seven and he strikes out the side in the seventh inning. Presented by Chick-fil-A. Earn points on your next mobile order with the Chick-fil-A app. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, and Adam Wainwright joins us for Wednesdays with Wayno on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How are you? Morning, guys. How's it going? Everything's great, and we can't thank you enough for including us on Sunday night at Swing for Impact over at Top Golf. And uh, you and your staff did a magnificent job. We had a lot of fun, and uh, you were able to raise a lot of money for Big League Impact. We were, and that was an amazing event. And uh, y'all did a great job helping us promote it. And, of course, you did a great job uh, on the mic when you got there. And you did a great job, as far as I can tell, swinging a golf club even, Randy. So, um, yeah, we still got one thing going on from that. We still have, uh, we still have tickets on sale for our uh, St. Simons Island raffle that we're raffling off that vacation house uh, that seats like – or that sleeps like uh, – 16 people or something. So um, that's still going on on our website. You can check it out on bigleagueimpact.org. Big league thanks for uh, thanks for helping us always do that, though, Randy. Yeah, no, no problem at all. I, as I said to you, I'll, I'll do anything that I can to help out you and the foundation. By the way, it's a seven-bedroom, four-and-a-half-bath property located in a gated community at St. Simons Island's Beach. And you can just go to bigleagueimpact.org and get your raffle ticket Today, all right, we got to ask you, Wayno, because we saw your reaction on TV to what happened in the ninth inning last night, and you were rooting so hard for Miles Michaelis to get that no hitter. Oh man, what, I don't know what I don't even know what I did. I, I don't know what I did, but it was I was so bummed. I was I was you know I just haven't I haven't seen one. I've not seen my teammate, one of my teammates, or myself ever throw one at the big league level. I got I got one thrown against me. Um, Back in 2012, I think, um, when uh, Johan Santana did it with the Mets, but I've never had a teammate do it. So Yadi and I, are, I mean, you were just on pins and needles the whole game. My hands were sweating. You can't even believe how bad my hands were sweating. And I'm not a nervous person, but that was kind of like I was out of my element. But when it, that ball dropped in over Harrison, I mean, you know, that's that's the place you wanted to hit it out there to Harrison. And uh, if he can't catch it. You know, probably no one's going to catch it, but um, he had to play in just to. I mean, you know, if a bloop drops in right there, everyone is throwing up on the field. So you can't <laughs> let something, can't let something short drop in in front of you. So he, he was doing what he had to do. But uh, man, my stomach hurt for miles. You know, I just was. I wanted it so bad. You know, and I'm sure he wanted it more than me. So. Yeah, Adam, the, the camera kept panning to you, and you were just so emotive. We all felt the same way watching Miles one strike short of the no-hitter. And afterwards, when he was interviewed, he said that it was weird for him because he would go back into the dugout, and no one would really talk to him. So what's your thought process there as his teammate? As you see, he's getting closer and closer to the no-hitter. Are you, are you trying to leave him alone? Are you not wanting to mess with the routine? What's the thought process as a, as a teammate there? Well, as a teammate, you can't be the guy that causes anything, you know, any thought process or any kind of bad mojo to happen. I mean, you, you know, that's why you just you can't even talk like on a bench. You don't even you don't look at each other and go, oh man, you know, look what's going on. You can't even acknowledge it. You know, you, you smile at each other and you you, you try not, you just try not to to do anything, but. Uh, it's it, the weird thing for Miles is he's such a chatter. Normally, 
normally during the game, you know, he's talking the whole time, I, which is very un, unlike myself and most pitchers. You know, I, I can't – I don't even want people in my space. Like, get out of my area when I'm pitching. But Miles is like, hey, you know, that guy was – he swung at the 2-0 pitch. Did you see that golf course today? You know, there's guys out there playing well. You know, and it's like – it's just totally unique. I've never seen a guy talk like he does. But yesterday, well, we weren't going to have that, you know – he starts and knowing Miles, he'd have been like, "Hey, y'all know we had I had a no hitter going, like so we're we're just we're staying out of the door, you know. You have to." Hey, Adam, I interviewed Mark Burley for the when he went into the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame, and he was telling a story because legendarily, when he was throwing both of his no hitters, he had no cr- trouble coming in after the fourth inning and said to his guys, "Hey, guys, look at the scoreboard. I got a no hitter going." So he has to go down to the clubhouse. He's working with his number two catcher for I think it was his perfect game. Number one catcher's down watching like the Dodger game in the clubhouse and has no idea that Burley's throwing a perfect game. He says, what are you doing? you got to come out and watch this. I'm throwing a perfect game. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just like, I mean, I know Mark pretty good, and that, that sounds exactly like him. He's, uh, he's a fun-loving guy. I mean, you know, he never shook off the catcher one time in his career. So he, he probably felt like, hey, the pressure's not on me. The pressure's on the, the catcher to throw the right thing. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's great. Well, Adam, another guy who continues to have great performances is Paul Goldschmidt. He's just out of his mind right now, playing like an MVP. What's your scouting report of Paul Goldschmidt as a hitter right now? Well, he's just so stinking fun to watch. I mean, you know, the guy... The guy does everything right. He's he's literally like a machine. You know, he's a he's a robot. The guy works really hard. He's, he never gets out of his program, his routine, his 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 system that works for him. He 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 never gets up or down about doing great or doing bad. He's just this even steady guy as anybody I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, and he when he's going like he's been going all year, he doesn't. He he finds a way to get the barrel to almost anything, and that's amazing, you know. And I I saw I knew he was going to have an incredible year coming out of spring training. I faced him the last time that I had a spring outing this year, and I threw him a nasty O two backdoor sinker knee high that just was like started way off the plate, came right back to the corner. You know, you see most guys take it. I, I get a lot of strikeouts like that, and he hit it. 109 on a line in the right center gap off the right center of the wall. And I came in and I was like, dude, Goldie is covering everything. I don't even know where to throw the ball on this guy. Cause normally, you know, used to be Goldie had a, a down and away hole that you could, you can always kind of get there with him. He middle in, you know, and even up, he could really cover it, but down and away was safe zone. He might hit a single or something. Now he's hitting at 109 off the right field wall. I said, this guy's going to win the MVP this year. I told Derek Gould that. I said, he said, uh, you think, what do you think about Nolan this year? I said, he's going to be incredible. He's going to, you know, he's going to be an all-star. He's going to win a gold glove, but Paul Goldschmidt's going to win the MVP. Wow. Hey, did, did you have to encourage Goldie to go out for the curtain call? <laughs> I did. And uh, I said, Goldie, they want it. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. And, then, and I was like, Goldie, they want it. And he's like, no, no, no. So I stood up and got the fans more into it. Um, started doing like the, you know, the wave with you. I'm like, come on, boys, get it up. Give it to me. Give it to me. And then they got louder. And he's like, all right, fine. You know, he, he doesn't want to put any of the, on the, of the, uh, 
emphasis on him. He he wants the, the emphasis to be put on the team, and he's just – I mean, he's just – the guy is just such a winning player. It's hilarious. I mean, it's just amazing to be around. He's incredible, Adam. Absolutely. Well, a big one for the team tonight, Jack Flaherty returning after uh, a rehab stint. What's it like to know that Jack Flaherty's coming back? You guys are two and a half games above the Brewers already in the division, and you're getting Jack Flaherty back? It has to be a pretty good feeling. Well, it's a good start, you know. Um, and, and getting Jack back is huge, obviously. He's one of the best starters in the game, and he's going to make our team – that much deeper, that much better. He's going to make our he's going to make our rotation better, obviously, but he's also going to make our bullpen better. You know, we got the more guys we get that can go out there and throw seven, eight innings, nine innings, then the more chance our our bullpen gets to settle into those good roles that they have and 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 be comfortable down there. Um, the two and a half game lead is uh, a good start, but it's not safe with that Milwaukee team. So we got to keep going. We got to keep winning games and get a bigger lead than that. Um, so down the stretch, they don't win 17 games in a row like we did last year and pull something off. Hey, Adam, it was so fun to see you in dad mode on Sunday night. And as much pride as you take in being a major league pitcher and as much pride as you being taken being a great philanthropist, I know that your most important job is as a dad. No question about it. It's my favorite title in the world. Um, that word to me, dad, means so much. And I got five great kids, and uh, they like going along with me and helping out. And um, you know, I just—it's just—I'm so proud of them, watching them grow up like they are, um, blossoming into their own unique people. You know, they're—I got five kids, and all of them are distinctly different in a lot of different ways since the very first second they came out of the womb, almost. And it's fun to watch them grow. It's fun fun to watch them get interested in things that um, you knew was going to happen, or maybe you didn't know was going to happen, and. Fun to, it's just fun to be around them, you know, and, and be a part of their lives and build memories like that. Things things like that the other day, you know, my kids won't forget that. And, and uh, Bailey's already talking about how when she gets older, she wants to be, you know, she wants to, to go to a lot of those charity events and help put them on. And, I'm, I'm, you know, that's music to my ears. I have a big heart for charity, and apparently she does too now. That's awesome, Adam. What about you, Bailey? <laughs> Tell Bailey we said hello. <laughs> we look forward to working with her uh, with Big League Impact as well. Well, you have a son, Caleb. He's the baby of the family. Uh, but you were strictly a girl dad for a long time, four girls. What's Adam Wainwright like as a girl dad? And by that, I mean, do you know how to do a ponytail or a braid, Adam? Uh, oh, yeah. I make a, I make a great ponytail. But I, that's, that's where my – I mean, I don't. Check the in the background saying, no, you don't. Make a great ponytail. Make a great ponytail. I made ponytails your whole life, girl. Anyways. Um, but I, that's where the that's where it ends. I, I don't I don't do braids, French braids or or anything like that. That's that's for mom. If you want a ponytail, I got you covered. <laughs> hey, uh, one more thing. You guys, after today, you get a day off, and then you get to go to Boston, which is one of the more iconic ballparks that you'll ever play in. And you've been there before, but and some good things, some not-so-good things at Boston. But what do you like about Fenway Park? Well, I love the history behind it, obviously. I mean, it's a cool place to play. Um, it's a cool city to play. It's a great fan base. They love their team there. They love to cheer against the guys like us coming in to try to try to beat them. Uh, you're right. I do have some bad memories there. Game one of the World Series, but um, I also pitched a pretty good game. Game five against them at home. It, it's one of the the most uh, one of the most 
regretted pitches I've ever thrown. Probably the most regretted pitch ever. David Ross is up, got runners on first and second. He bloops the ball down the left field line, like hits the line, runs scores. We lose the game right there against John Lester. He's a great friend of mine now, but I couldn't stand him back then, you know. <laughs> um, he and I were like arch enemies until we got to play together, and then you know, we were like best friends almost. So uh, that's, that's kind of the way baseball works. But I, I do love playing there. You know, you go into that little area under the – under the wall over there in left field and see all the names that are on there. There's some real iconic names on the wall there. I wrote my name on there several years ago, but I think somebody erased it. You know? So um, uh, we'll see. I'm going to write it on there again. I'm going to keep writing it until they, <laughs> until they keep it on there. You should, Adam. Well, last thing for me, I want to go back to Sunday night, great event swinging for impact at Top Golf. You had so many of your teammates there to support you, and you were moving from bay to bay, chatting up everybody at the event. So you got a good eye on all of your teammates and their golf swings. Who impressed you the most? Well, I was impressed with uh, with Mike Mattis's wife and daughter. Actually, I thought they put on a good show. They were they were they were swinging it good. Um, John Jay was smooth. You know, he's he's he was looking good. That was always his thing. Like, yeah, hey, I'm gonna play good, but I'm gonna have the right shoes on, and I'm gonna have. <laughs> you know, he had his he had his golf outfit on. <laughs> he's always a big <laughs> outfit guy. Uh, it was, and it was great to see him too. Man, I love John Jay. I love. Trevor Rosenthal, too, who was also there. Um, but uh, best swing, hmm. I'll be honest. I didn't get a lot of chance to, to hang out and watch guys swinging. But I know Izzy. Izzy can put it out there pretty good. Um, but the, the guys I did see, guys I did see, I was impressed with. I like I like seeing John Jay take some, you know, take some, take some good swings out there. He was sitting them for a lot of different people on his team. But it's fun to see John because I could never get Johnny to play with me back in the day. And the only time he did it was, you know, he was only trying to, he only wanted to buy golf shoes and a, and a golf outfit. So <laughs> it was, it was fun to see him swinging it. Hey, Wayno, we have a texter that wants to know in uh, thirty seconds, uh, forty-five seconds, a minute. Can you provide a good exercise for rehab for an Achilles injury? He said he blew his out uh, working, and he needs a pro tip or two. So, what was the main thing you did to rehab your Achilles in twenty fifteen? Well, you know, hopefully he can go get it fixed by a doctor first because I don't know how to approach that question without it, you know, getting repaired. Um, but blowing it out is funny, man. It's a, it's a super painful thing right away, but it, you know, it curls up like a cobra snake in the top of your calf, and then you don't have very many nerves back there, so you don't feel it at all after that. Um, I would just say that make sure he, he, he strengthens his calf as much as possible because if you watch me pitch on TV – my left calf is still about half the size of my right one um, from that Achilles surgery. Um, spend the time to, 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 to strengthen all the little muscles in your foot and in your calf, and that's, that's going to help you come back the strongest. But hopefully you have a, an opportunity to get with a, a rehab specialist and, and a doctor to help you out on that. I got my raffle ticket during the course of this interview, so I am entered for that trip to St. Simon's Island, the, uh, the home of Adam Wainwright. Looking forward to uh, winning that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if you don't win it, I'll always put you up in the nicest, you know, days in or holiday and we can get down there. Um but uh which are also great hotels. I'm not knocking on them, but um that is a that is a cool house and a very cool place is my my where I was grown up and and born and raised on St. Simon's Island and and born in Brunswick and lived on St. Simon's my whole life. It's a wonderful vacation town. The beach is great. The people are are awesome. 
the food is awesome and we'd love to we'd love to share that 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 town and that, those memories and those that great food and great people with anyone who wins that get your raffle ticket now at bigleagueimpact.org wayno as always great to talk to you thanks so much for the time have a wonderful day and have a great father's day all right you too Rick. Thank you. That is our buddy Adam Wainwright on 101 ESPN Wednesdays with Wayno. Don't you love how even Adam Wainwright can be humbled by his daughters? How she's yeah. in the background being like, you can't do a ponytail. <laughs> it's, it's great. What a great family. And Wednesdays with Wayno is making another donation, uh, means making another donation to Big League Impact from our friends at Chick-fil-A. Stop by today between 2 and 4 p.m. for a refreshing SunJoy drink. That's his, an Arnold Palmer. And a portion of the sales goes towards Adam's work and the mission of Big League Impact. We're going to head down the stretch towards a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax next on 101. ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hey, how would you like to win some Dead and Company tickets? 101 ESPN is your chance to win a pair to see Dead and Company next Tuesday, June 21st at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. Tickets on sale now, and you can find a bonus chance to win. Free tickets for Dead and Company right now at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app. But you can win a pair right now. Ooh. And today's question, Michelle, is this. Okay. What player's father thanked Matt Carpenter's father for helping him be a hot hitter a few years ago at a Starbucks in Cincinnati. What player's father came up to Rick, uh, Rick Carpenter, mm-hmm. Matt's dad, and said, hey, I want you to thank, I just want to thank you because your son's tip has helped out my son who wouldn't be hitting the way he is right now if it wasn't for your son. A mentor. A mentor. And uh, as a hint, we'll take text number 48. Ooh. Brought him to tears. Hint, brought him hint. to tears. Hint, hint. That might be the only thing that brought... Uh, Rick, no, it wasn't the only thing that brought that Rick Carpenter to tears, was it? He is just a proud dad. He should be incredibly proud of Matt. Yeah, he absolutely should be because Matt's a good man. And Michelle, we're going to talk, and by the way, thanks to our fathers today for joining us, Rick Carpenter, uh, Sherry Tillis from Fathers and Family Support Center, uh, and Adam Wainwright. Tomorrow we're going to talk to Big Mac, and we're going to talk to Big Walt. Big Mac and Big Walt. Two great dads who have sons Mm -hmm. who are doing great things following in their footsteps. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. That'll be a lot of fun. And we need to go back to what Adam said about what Goldie is doing and what he's been doing since really the start of spring training. The fact that Adam Wainwright faced him in spring training and said, wow, he's going to win the MVP this year. That's somebody that that knows him pretty well. And if Adam Wainwright can't get him out and Goldie's getting a piece of everything, anybody, including Adam Wainwright, is throwing at him in spring training, it's a pretty good sign. This is a fun team. So fun. And they're, they're really good. And they're getting better. I mean, you get Jack Flaherty back tonight, you're better. And so this team has a chance to do some pretty special things. It's, it's a team to savor and enjoy and check out tonight on Bally Sports if your spectrum is working. <laughs> If your app is working on your smart TV. I love Adam Wainwright's thought process, though, when he said, yeah, it's great to get Jack, Jack back. That's a big confidence boost for us. And it's a good start that we're two and a half games yeah. ahead of the Brewers. But we need to make sure and deepen that lead because we don't want them going on a run down the stretch. And so often, Michelle, and here we are in the middle of June, so often... Cardinal teams in the past have gotten hot around this time of year and really started to take off. 
And I was talking to Ali Marmal the other night at Adam's event about the Cardinals being a big picture thinking organization. A lot of times things will happen, like last week in Tampa when Verhagen was pitching at the end of the game and people were upset and should be upset because the Cardinals didn't win. But sometimes you you don't want to give up a win, but you do so that you can be better later on. And that's the way the Cardinals think about a season. That's how you win 17 in a row in September sometimes. Yes, yes. And, and it's good to think like that. It's good to plan ahead and think globally while also living in the moment. They do a really good job of balancing both. Yeah. And tonight will be fun with Jack Flaherty not only going for the Cardinals, but going for the sweep against the Pirates. Looking for four in three games. Yes. Uh, I'm looking at the board, by the way. Randy Carricker's Jack Flaherty prediction for this season. 24 starts, 16 and 4, 2.73 ERA. Okay, so... July, August, September. I'm thinking 5, 10, 15. Uh, he's not going to get to 24. October? But... Hmm? Oh, there you uh, go. It could thank go you. into thank the you. postseason. We have to consider this, October. don't we? October. They are leading go. the division. So, yeah. Randy, he could start tonight making your prediction a reality. Let's make it happen. Jack, appreciate it. <laughs> uh, great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. And Michelle, this was a lot of fun. We'll do this again tomorrow. It was, Randy. Enjoy going home and having your son, Patrick, stunt on you for beating you in the fight today. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that at all. I'm going to call him a jerk for beating me in the fight. He's just smarter than Megamind. What do you want him to do? It's the worst having a kid that's smarter than you and has bragging rights. It's the worst. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.